Hey, thank you. I'm glad to be here this morning with you. And I do have a few, uh, just a one degree, two degree separations. In fact, there's some things that wouldn't happen in my life if we'd gone a different direction. My wife and I have been married for 20 years, Heather, and um, she actually looked at Sterling College. She looked at two colleges that she was going to uh, look at and to play volleyball. And that was Sterling College or Mid-American Nazarene University. And fortunately for me, uh, since I ended up at Mid-American Nazarene University, uh, she, we, we met there, had two beautiful daughters that are now a sophomore and an eighth grader. And uh, so, man, this would be a great, uh, great campus that you have here, great students. You know, what I loved about the choir up here was, uh, you know, either you're trained very well or you really believed what you were singing. And I choose to believe the latter, that you really believed what you were singing. So thanks for ministering to, uh, to my heart this morning. Uh, just a couple things. I'm not going to share any more about my family. That's I got two daughters. I have a wife. I have a dog, golden retriever, hundred pounds, and a Persian cat. Everything in my life is girls. Um, I have no guys in my life. So um, I love sports growing up. And so, in God's good sense of humor, my wife loves sports growing up. I played uh, football at Mid American Nazarene University, and I believe we played Sterling. I think it was my freshman year. I only remember the games that we won. I don't remember the games that we lost. And it's easier to remember the games that I won because in my 40 games that I played, we won five. And so uh, in four years. So be encouraged today. Uh, I, I say that to encourage anybody that's ever played on a losing team. Uh, you can make it through it. You'll make it to the other side. There's, uh, there's life after losses. And, uh, but anyway, that's just another experience. I, I believe I was on Sterling campus. I don't remember if it was my freshman or sophomore year. I would have remembered had we beaten you, but uh, I'm pretty sure that we got beat on that, on that occasion. I... Um, have a little thing in, in education. I, I, I believe in it, but it's always been a struggle for me. I guess that started with two years of kindergarten. I knew it was going to be a struggle from the, from the get-go. And uh, somewhere along the line, you know, um, I, don't, I don't have dyslexia. Um, I have a pastor on staff that has dyslexia, but I might have a little bit. I for sure maybe have audio dyslexia. My, my family would tell me that there's things that they say to me, but, and I even answer them and then realize later I didn't even hear what they said. And uh, about six or seven weeks ago, Christian uh, had sent me an email. He'd also kind of communicated with me that we were in Romans. And I, all I heard was Romans chapter 12. And I was so excited about that because uh, I actually been trying to memorize that. And I have most of it memorized uh, from this last year. I was real excited about it. It's always been one of my favorite verses, uh, Romans, especially chapter 1 and uh, uh, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, uh, 2 being the theme verse of your year. And so I was really excited and about... Oh, 10 minutes before I drove over here, I thought, well, I better get directions, know where I'm going, uh, look at things again. And so I read through the email again, and I said, oh, shoot. It says Romans chapter 11, 1 through 12, and I'm ready for chapter 12, 1 through 11. And actually, I wasn't even prepared to go through 1 to 11. I said, I can't get through 1 and 2. So um, apologies to you today. We're, we're going to speed up, and we're going to chapters, uh, chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Uh, you know, if you're like most of my congregation, you probably won't remember what I said tomorrow. So when the guy comes here in a few weeks and preaches on chapters 12, 1 and 2, it's going to be a great, great day. So um, <laughs> just glad that you're, you're here. I love Romans chapter 12. Uh, I love the book of Romans, but I love 12. In fact, if I was on a deserted island and they told me you can take one chapter of the Bible with you, nothing else, and you're going to be there for 10 years, I would take Romans chapter 12. And I believe that's why, that's why I memorized it. That's why I wanted, I wanted to get it into my heart and into my life because I believe it says so much of what it is to be a follower of Christ, to live the Christian life. So I'm just going to spend a couple minutes on these two first for a few verses 
of chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. My, one more thing, my, as I kind of head into this, um, my youngest daughter, uh, she's in eighth grade now, but when she was probably three or four, she loved to play this game with me. And maybe some of you girls, you remember your daddies maybe playing this or, or, or sons. Uh, Daddy, catch me. Daddy, catch me. And kids have such a great trust. I mean, they just, they, they just, you know, it tells us we have to come to Christ with the faith of a child um, because we have, to, we have to wholeheartedly fall in and, and believe. And uh, she just totally believed in me. And so many times, you know, even getting out of our little minivan, she would just say, Daddy, catch me. to open up the door, and she'd just fall back. And she'd fall all the way, I'd, I mean, even below, I mean, even farther than what you would fall, I would catch her down there. And she just loved that, and she would laugh. And, and it was just a great time for her and me, And except for one day when my audio dyslexia kicked in. And we were getting out of the car, and I was on the phone. And she said, Daddy, catch me. And I said, Yeah. And the next thing I know, there was this little three-year-old, four-year-old girl that was smacked. I know. Oh, I heard that. I heard that. Make me feel guilty twice. I already felt guilty once. She falls down to the, she falls down. Fortunately, my leg breaks, helps break her fall. But she still, she's bloodied up. She's hurting. She's looking up. She's, Daddy, why'd you do that? Why'd you drop me, Daddy? I want you to know she's okay after five years of intense therapy and counseling. We made it through it. I want you to know I love my daughter so much. And the biggest thing I want my daughters to know is I want them to know that they can trust me. But I'm human father. I, I err. I make mistakes. My dad used to tell me growing up, he was a pastor himself, he said, I don't intend to let you down. I don't want to let you down, but keep your eyes on Jesus because I can let you down. But Jesus won't let you down. My experiences as a pastor and growing up in the church, and I know some didn't grow up in the church. I feel blessed. I, I grew up in a loving home that loved Jesus and loved God, and I made that decision for myself at the age of 10. Best decision of my life. But my experience with people is this. Most people I find, they really they love God. I mean, really, sometimes we think, oh, people don't love God. I, I think most people love God. The problem is they don't trust God. There's this disconnect. There's this, I, I love God, but I don't trust God. Somewhere along the line, we've lost the ability to trust. Somewhere when maybe when we were little, we lose this idea. And it's, it's important not to lose that trust. Or it's important to regain that trust. Or establish that trust. Because when we lose the ability to trust, we lose the ability to believe that God has a great plan for us. That God's got good things in store for our lives. We, 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 we lose the ability to, to dream big dreams. When, when you lose your ability to trust, you lose your ability to, to dream a big dream, God-sized dreams. And then we begin, begin to just settle into life and we begin to, to settle instead of dreaming big dreams that God has for us. You know, God has a good plan, I believe it. And unlike me, who is an earthly father, he won't drop you. Oh, it'll feel like sometimes you're falling. It'll feel like you've gone beyond what you can go sometimes. But he has this net. He has this safety net called mercy and called grace. And it's always there to catch you. No matter how far you, you try to run from God, no, how, no matter how far maybe you feel like you've messed up in life, or maybe how far you feel like you maybe have gotten on track or different things, there's this net of mercy and grace, and that's where we start with Romans chapter 12, verse 1. 
says, therefore, in view of God's mercy. And anytime you see uh, the word therefore in the scripture, you have to ask this question, what's it there for? And it's, it's therefore because it's, it's hitting that spot that I was supposed to hit, chapter 11, and, and the chapters you've hit before there. It's therefore in chapter 12, it's a, it's a shift because it's looking back at chapters 1 through 11. Therefore, in view of all that you've just heard, in view of 1 through 11, and let me just summarize chapters 1 through 11. Mercy. It's mercy. It's, it's God's safety, unconditional, undeserved mercy that's been given to us. What is mercy? What does mercy mean to you? It's, it's, a, it's a word that maybe we just say without thinking much about it. I remember the first time I didn't know what the word mercy was, but I remember what it meant. It's when I was about six years old. and My dad was a pastor of a little church in Colorado. And this uh, particular night, it was a Sunday night. It was back in a time when we went to Sunday night church. And after Sunday night church, they had, they had Sunday night choir practice. And when you had a couple little boys, the music director's son, who was another fire redheaded a uh, little guy and myself, we were just, you know, it was like, his name was Dwayne. I'm going to tell this story because it's really, it's like Devil Dwayne is the one that caused me to do this. But um, Devil Dwayne and I were buddies and we did a lot of things together. And when you have a lot of time on your hands, I saw a rock parking lot out here as I was coming in. And it made me think of this. There was this church bus, beautiful church bus. Well, there's no such thing as a beautiful church bus. But there was a church bus. And it was our church bus. And in those days, they actually put the name of the pastor on that. To, to just humiliate the pastor's family, they would put it on the name of the church van, which was always ugly too, or the name of the church bus. And so it said, First Church of the Nazarene, Reverend Roy Peterson. That was my dad's name. It was all over this. And it was Sunday night, and Dwayne said, Let's throw rocks at the bus. And I was like, No, I think we'll get in trouble. Let's not do that. He goes, no, 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 no. I, I think it'll be fun. No one's around. Everyone's inside. Let's throw rocks at the bus. And I was like... Dwayne, I don't think that's a good idea. That's not, before I could even get words out of my mouth, he had picked up a rock, psh, busted one window. Okay, I'm all in at that point. So we just, we began just, we began throwing rocks. Before we were done, every single window on one side of that bus was completely busted. Dwayne's mom, the, the, the uh, piano player, came, at, came out. I saw her, and she was the music director's son. I saw Dwayne get picked about 10 feet off the ground, and his mom was just doing one of these. I mean, she might have been, he might have been, uh, or she might have been reported today to Child Protective Services or something. I mean, it was vicious. And I was thinking, I'm, I'm right behind it. I know what's coming next because my dad's not afraid of the belt, and I know he loves me. But we lived in a day that, you know, we'd use the belt when necessary. And, but we had company coming home that night, and my dad said, I will deal with you later. It felt like 10 hours. I think it was only an hour. But I sat there that night just sweating, and my dad said, let's go downstairs. Well, I knew what downstairs meant. That was the room of punishment. That was the room where <laughs> things were not going to go well. And we, we stepped into this guest room. We sat down there and he said, uh, do, you, do you know what you did? No, Dad, uh, I, I don't. <laughs> uh, no, I knew what I did. I mean, you didn't have to tell me. I knew, I, I, I knew there was guilt. I knew what I did was wrong. I felt awful at this point, and I was so incredibly, I was, I was that kid that I hated punishment. I mean, you just looked at me wrong, and I felt bad. My sister was five years older than me. She's only five foot one, but you'd spank her, and she's like, is that all you got? Give me another. I mean, that's... I was not that way. I'd hide behind a bed. I mean, do anything to get my fanny between, you know, that and that, and that, and, and that belt. 
But my dad sent me down there, and something was different this night. He said, do you know what you did? And I just began to cry, and I began to weep. And he said, I'm not going to spank you. The most beautiful words I think I've ever heard as a (laughs) six-year-old. He said, I'm not going to spank you. I think you've suffered enough. Don't ever do that again. That was it. I mean, I walked away from that room, and I was like, what just happened? I, 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 I don't get this. I know what the usual consequence is for something like I've gotten a, a, a lot worse for a lot less in my life. That was where I was introduced to this thing called mercy. Mercy that is undeserved. It's not warranted. We don't, we don't earn it in any way. And my dad now, he's 75 years old. He's retired. And there's been many times that he's been merciful to me throughout my life and I, I today, I would do anything for my dad. He, he's like a best friend to me now. I, I would do anything for him. I, I, would, I, I love him so much. And if we could only grasp how great the Father's love is for us and how great his mercy is for you and me, it, it, I believe it would change everything. I believe it would change everything for you and it would change everything for me. Because the mercy I talked about is from an earthly father but the mercy that God's therefore, in view of God's mercy, in view of God's mercy, worse than throwing rocks on a bus, I don't know what you've been through in your life. I know in the last few years, um, in the last couple of years, I, I had a best friend, one of my best friends from high school. We were really good friends, best friends in college. We served in ministry together. And saying things happen in life, and I'm not going to tell the whole story, but in the last two years, Something took place in our relationship, and he betrayed uh, my family and myself very deeply. And it's something that, um, you know, we're we, uh, working through that forgiveness. It's okay if you're working through something. Just don't give up on it. And, and in this season of life, one of the things I was thinking is the mercy of God. As I was thinking about talking to you, I was thinking if I saw this person today, which we haven't had relationship for the last probably 10 months, God willing, one day we'll be reconciled together again. But as I think about that, I think I would die for my wife. I would die for my girls. But if God asked me to die for him right now, I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could do that for him. And yet that's what Jesus did for us. When we were at our very worst, while we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. He gave us his mercy before we asked for it, before we even deserved it. He's offered his mercy. And all of chapters 1 through 11 is about that mercy. And Paul is saying, therefore, in view of God's mercy, in view of this incredible mercy that you didn't deserve, you did nothing to obtain it, you did nothing to deserve it, mercy is not getting what you deserve. In view of this mercy, what? Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Jesus wants us to do something in return for that mercy. God wants something to return for us. He knows we can't earn our salvation. He knows we can't earn favor with God. But what he wants from us is not our, our perfect um, behavior. Not what he wants from us is uh, uh, you know, how good we can be. What he wants from us is just he wants us to give ourselves, give our lives completely back to him. Warts and all. God, I'm, I'm giving you me. With my sins, with my brokenness, with my faults, with my failures. 
God, this is all I got, but what it is, here it is. The best thing we can do is offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, I believe we love God in here. I believe everyone in this room probably loves God. But really the question is this morning, do you trust him? Do you trust him? You may have grown up in a church. You may have not a, or a Christian family. You may have not have grown up in a Christian family or a church family. You may have had a good home like I had. Or you may have come from a really tough home. We're all left with the same question, though. Do we believe God enough to trust him? Do we believe in his love and his mercy enough to go all in and give him all that we have in view of God's mercy? I know some of us, including myself, sometimes we're like, God, you can, you can do whatever you want with me. He just hands off on my weekends. Hands off on my personal life or hands off on my dating life or who I'm, gonna, who I'm dating or who I might marry. Hands off on my future. I, I want you in my life, but just don't mess with this part. Don't mess with my future. And friends, to, to follow Jesus wholeheartedly as Paul's encouraged us to do in view of his mercy. He's saying, jump all in. You can trust him. Take that plunge. Don't give up. And maybe somewhere along the line, like my little daughter, she, she, she trusts me again. She believes in me. She trusts me because she knows at my heart that I love her. And I, she knows I'm not perfect. We have a heavenly father who's perfect who wants to catch us with his mercy. He's saying, do you trust me? In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Verse 2 says, this is your true and pop, proper worship. The King James Version or the NIV, I think it says, this is your reasonable service. If the person next to you willingly died for you, if the person next to you, your roommate or, or your boyfriend, your girlfriend or your fiance, if the person next to you, or if they died for you, would you not want to honor them with the rest of your life? Would you not want to give your life in, in, in a memory and in thought of them, Jesus Christ gave his life for us. He died for us. And in view of that mercy, I just don't think it's unreasonable that he asked us to live for him. That maybe we might be asked to die, but really he's not even, he's asking us just, would you live for me? Would you go all in? My encouragement to you this morning is take the plunge. Go all in. It's so easy to just kind of go through this life without thinking about it. It says, therefore, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. God has a good, pleasing, and perfect will for each and every one of your lives and for my life. But we can't know what that is if we're not being renewed in our mind in light in view of his mercy. I encourage you, don't, what, what does it need, mean to be renewed in our mind? It means don't just go through life without thinking about it. Don't just go throughout thoughtlessly. Do life on purpose. And many of you here, you're, you're doing life, many of you are doing life on purpose. Some of you are not doing life on purpose. Do life on purpose. Do it with t- intention, with thought, with thinking. Because I will tell you is in a few years when you graduate from this wonderful institution, the last thing this world needs from this Sterling College graduates and from those who go out into this world, the last thing this world needs is half-hearted Christians, half-hearted believers, 
half in, half in, half out. The world has enough of that. I came across a story I'm going to close with through, that I want to read with you today. There was a man that tailgated. He was tailgated by a stressed out woman. He came to an intersection and it, and it turned yellow. Now we all know what happens when the light turns, you know, when the lights turn. We know what green means, go. Red means, yellow means, speed up, go faster. That's right. And when someone doesn't do, do that, it ticks you off, doesn't it? It just makes you mad. And that's what happened to this lady is this man in front of her, he stopped at the yellow light. When you're supposed to speed up, I'm just, I'm just kidding, but he, he, she was mad. So she started yelling and honking and ballist, going ballistic. She began to give some gestures that weren't also Christian, and she began to say some things that weren't also godly. And then she got a tap on her, uh, on her window. I'm continuing to read this. It was a policeman. He takes her in because she was going so crazy. He takes her in to be fingerprinted, photographed, and locked in a cell. After a couple of hours, he let her out, and the arresting officer gives her back her personal effects. He says, I'm very, very sorry for the mistake. Here's how it happened. I pulled up behind your car while you were blowing the horn and using bad gestures and speaking bad language. And then I noticed the what would Jesus do bumper sticker and the choose life license plate and the follow me to Sunday school window sticker and the Christian fish on your trunk. Naturally, I assumed you'd stolen the car. I'll tell you, I say that to say this, the last thing this world needs is one more Christian with bumper stickers on their cars, Christians with t-shirts in their closet, Christian t-shirts in their closet, Christian fish signs on their car, Christian books on their shelves, Christian stations on their radios, Christian apps on their iPhones, Christian jewelry around their necks. The last thing this world needs is just a little bit more Christian. What they need is some young men and young women that aren't afraid to take the nesty plunge and go all in. And I'll tell you, friends, you'll never go wrong. Losing your life is when you're going to find it. Therefore, in view of God's mercy, in view of his great love for you, God loves you deeper and greater than you could possibly imagine. In view of that mercy, offer yourselves to be world changers Not just in the future, but now. You can change this campus. Be world changers. Go all in. Let me pray with us today. Thanks for being here. What a great group to preach to. What a great group to talk to. Father, I just, I thank you for before me lies world changers. Whether they realize it or not, you've called each and every person in this room, these young people, to change the world to go out and make a difference for the kingdom of God. And Lord, the only way that we can do that is to go all in, to give you all of ourselves in view of your mercy, in view of your love for us. God, I pray that you would be with my, my new friends here, God, as they go from this day. I pray that you would help them in their studies and their work. You're preparing them for a great work, but it's not just about tomorrow, it's about today, the decisions we make today, Lord. May we go all in. Lord, we love you today. May uh, your blessings go with us so we can be a blessing in Jesus' name. Amen.